Hallelujah. So the past two weeks we have been doing this series titled Faith in God. And uh, we established from Mark chapter 11 verse 12 to 14 and then verse 20 to 24 how Jesus cursed the fig tree. And um, the next day the fig tree was dead and Peter was was amazed that the fig tree was dead and and began to draw Jesus' attention to it. And and the, the response that Jesus gave was, have faith in God. If I want you to read the scripture, the scripture says that Jesus answered Peter, have faith in God. And when, when he says Jesus answered Peter, it means that there was a question on Peter's heart. So in the passage, you don't see a question. Jesus, Peter was just drawing Jesus' attention to the fact that, I mean, the, the, the fig had died. But the Bible says Jesus answered Peter and said what? Have faith in God. And, and so I want us to turn our Bibles to Mark 11, verse 20 to 24 again. And then read that passage. It says, Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. It's very possible there are a lot of questions running through their hearts. How, how is it possible that yesterday Jesus cursed the fig tree and, and today it is dead? I mean, and they hadn't seen Jesus curse anything before that time. So he said, have faith in God. Then look at the verse 23 and 24. And that's our focus for today. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, Believe that you receive them and you will have them. Hallelujah. And so we are, we are focusing on verse 23 and 24 because this one passage that a lot of people have misinterpreted and misapplied. I mean, a lot of people like to hear this passage. Whatever you, you desire or whatever you ask, pray, believe, and it shall be done. How many of you like that? I mean, whatever, like you like the whatever, uh, whatever you, you ask, believe it, and it shall be what? It shall be done. I mean, and, and a lot of people have misinterpreted this scripture and misapplied it. I've heard countless number of preachers preach around these passages and make it look like anything you ask God, God is going to do it. But that is not what Jesus was trying to draw attention to. Because it's not everything you ask God that God will do. It's not everything that you go before God that he will do. Baby, I want a second wife. God, give me a second wife. Isn't it anything? Isn't it whatever? No, please, isn't it whatever? No, I want you to preach with me. God, give me a second wife. Then, then because your word says whatever we ask, when we believe it without doubting, we shall have a Lord. I claim the second wife. And, and, and the, the, the issue is that a lot of people, you know, are misinformed and our thoughts are that anything we go before God. And so we go before God with a whole lot of things and, and God is like, this one is not part of it. This, this one is not part of it. And like you're wondering why God is not answering. Because I said second wife, that one is plain. So you think that, oh, this one, pastor, how can you ask for a second wife? Is it a part of whatever? Now filter all the many things that you have been asking God for. And let's try to understand what Jesus was saying. Because if we understand it, then from today, the way you pray will change. Hallelujah. 
Because I want you to pray and come out with joy. Baby, I want you to pray. And whenever you finish praying, you should be happy that you finished praying because you prayed well. Hallelujah. So Jesus did not make this statement as a blank check. He did not make this statement as a, as a blanket statement that is just something that you will have. Because if I, if I read this, I will just jump and be excited. Oh, Jesus, whatever I ask. But Jesus premised this on the previous statement. And that previous statement is, have faith in God. So Jesus starts with, have faith in God. Then he goes on to say that, for assuredly I say to you, Whatever, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have what? Whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. But he says, have faith in God before you go on to this. And our, our establishment of faith from the previous, I mean, weeks is that faith is the word God releases into your heart. Which gives you enough reason to hope for something and pursue what you haven't seen yet. And so Jesus is saying that your faith is not just believing in God or believing for something to happen. Your faith is the fact that God has released a word into your heart. And that is the word that makes you have an assurance and a confidence that God is going to do something. It's a word that makes you look forward to something with hope. It is the word that makes you look forward to the future. So until God has said it, he doesn't have anything to do with it. You don't want to hear that one. Until, so you see, you can't just go commanding the mountain until you have received a word from God. So that whatever is tied to what God has said. So it says, have faith in God. You must, you must be in a position where you can receive a word from God. Where God has said you should do A, B, C, D. And based on that, you can go to God and ask whatever. And your whatever is aligned with what he has said. And so a lot of people are asking for whatever, but the whatever is outside of what God has said. And so faith is a word that God releases into your heart. It gives you enough reason to hope and pursue what you haven't seen yet. In fact, faith is actually founded on the will of God, which comes to us as a word. Faith is founded on what? The will of God. Faith, faith is not, it's not an abstract thing. It's not something that you just, you just wish and desire and expect that it will happen. No, faith is founded on what? The will of God. Faith is actually, the will of God is actually the foundation of faith. So if you don't know it is God's will and you pursue it, it will all crumple down because it doesn't have the right foundation. And the will of God always comes to us as a word. It is a word of God to us. And God only backs what he has willed. God does not back anything that he hasn't willed. And that's not the teaching that we have today. The teaching that we have today is that name it and what? Claim it. Say it and God will do it. Can I tell you, the God that we serve is not like that. He only backs what he has willed. He only backs what he has said. And so, our faith in God is the confidence that 
what he has said he would do and he would do at the right time because you see if you don't understand this then you are going to talk to god about so many things that are not that that god considers as nonfa how many of you know nonfa because <laughs> our god is a god of what? impossibility he can do anything you know god can do anything god can god can do anything there's nothing beyond god for god nothing shall be impossible god can do it but god cannot just do anything everything god does is in line with the counsel of his will so although god can do everything he doesn't do everything can i repeat that although god can do anything and everything he doesn't just do anything and everything everything that god does is within the counsel of his will baby god can change your shepherd today within 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 a split second God can move everything towards you, but God can decide he won't do it now. It's within the counsel of his will. Because if he does it now, it might kill you. In fact, the next series I'm going to do is rest in God. Because I want us to come to the point where we will, we will understand God. And then we can relate properly with him. And so God is the God of impossibilities, but he doesn't do anything unless the thing aligns with what? His will. And I want us to establish that truth. That God can do anything, but he won't do it until it, it fits within what he wants. If it doesn't fit within what God wants, he won't do it. Even though he has all the power to do it. If I was God, I don't think, I don't know how I'd manage it. Because if I had all that power to do, to do whatever I can do, when I saw Deborah crying, she's been crying in the bedroom, God, I want you to change this situation in my life. I want, and, and Deborah has been coming and serving me, and like she's, she's been singing and everything. If I had all the power, I can't stand the tears. I'll just say, Charlie, enough. Let it be gone. But God can still look at our tears still have compassion for us and still not do it because if he does it at that time it will not go in line with his will and it will not be in your benefit so you hold on that's the interesting thing about god it's not easy being god i think one day i have to write a book titled it's not easy being god because some of you think it's it's so easy being god like like god you can just do it why not why are you not just doing it but the truth is that when you are saying god you can do it why are you not just doing it god is seeing a lot of things that you are not seeing and because he's seen a lot of things that you are not seeing he can't just do it so he looks at you you are praying you are crying out to him you are asking him god i want you to come to and god can see you he really wish he could do something about it but that thing at that moment is not good for you so he will not do it so jesus says that you have faith in him so now let's try to interpret verse 23 and 24 rightly okay the first thing that he says after having faith in god he says that it's an assurance that whoever speaks to this mountain and commands it into the sea will have it done. In fact, Jesus was referring to a particular mountain in Jerusalem, but, but it's, it's, it's a symbol of what we consider mountains. In fact, mountain, the word mountain was a popular figure of speech for anything that you can't deal with, any insurmountable problem, any problem that is immovable. You can't move a mountain. How many of you can move a mountain? You, you can't. I mean, the, the mountain is there. 
And, and so when, when you look at a mountain, a mountain is a problem that cannot easily be moved. But now Jesus is saying that, for as surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. And God only next week I'll deal with the doubt in his heart. But believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And so the verse 23 is starting with four. Four. So have faith in God. Then he goes with what? Four. And the word for means that a, a reason is being assigned. It means that your commanding the mountain to move is based on your faith in God. Your commanding the mountain to move is what? Based on your faith in God. It means that there's a certain assurance. The, the only way I can go and speak to that mountain and tell the mountain to move is because God has said I should speak to the mountain and it will move. But if God hasn't said I should speak to the mountain, then I go and speak. The mountain will not move because the one who is moving the mountain is not my faith. It is God. That is why I say, let your faith be in God. The one who is going to cause it to happen is God, not your faith. Can I repeat it? The one who is going to cause the thing to happen is God, not your faith. That says your faith should be in who? In God, because your faith is a necessary ingredient, but it is not a sufficient condition. It is something that is necessary for you to see God move, but it is not sufficient because God is the one who has to move. That's why, even as a pastor, when I pray for you and when I pray that God heal you, it is not my prayer that is healing you, it is God that is healing you. I have to believe that at the end of the day, it's God's decision to heal. Please, are you getting it? It's important for us to understand because today's Christianity, if you pray and nothing happens, you don't have faith. Right? Baby, if you are, if you are, if you are a cripple and then you came and I prayed, I said, God, heal baby in Jesus' name. Let this cripple work. And baby does not work. They'll say, Pastor doesn't have faith. Because our definition of faith is that by all means, as I have prayed, she should be healed. But that's not God's definition of faith. God's definition of faith is the fact that he has a will concerning her. Possibly at this time, it's not for her to, be, to, to walk. So, as a pastor, when I am praying, this is my prayer. The Father, I pray and believe that you will heal her. But as long as God has not spoken anything to me that you hear, I also pray that, Lord, and I pray that even in this moment, if she doesn't walk, let your will be done in her life. That is faith. So as a pastor, I walk out and I'm not ashamed and I'm not shy because the faith is not in the fact that she must necessarily work. It is in the fact that God will do it the way he wants to do it at the time he wants to do it. And when it happens that way, you rest. You are relaxed. So he says that the mountain, oh, you can sit down. You, you, when you have faith, you can speak to this mountain and com command it to go into the sea. And it will go into the sea because as long as God said, speak to the mountain and to go, you can speak to the mountain and it will go. So there are some problems in our lives that have not been dealt with for a very long time. As you spend time with God in prayer, God will tell you, speak and it will go. And that moment, it will what? It will go. There are issues like that. But there are some mountains that will not move. Because God does not want them to move. Can I break this news to you? Not all mountains are meant to be moved. Can, can I give you a classical example so that you understand the scriptures? Okay. 
Let's look at an example of Paul. How many of you know Paul? Paul, Paul the apostle, a great man of God. Paul healed many people. Paul, the miracles God did by the hand of Paul. Paul preached to so many people. Paul wrote more than half of the New Testament. This is no small boy. This is an apostle of God. Paul saw, I mean, had a revelation of Jesus Christ, an encounter with him on the, on the way to Damascus. But look at what Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7 to 10. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. In fact, Paul had so much revelation. In fact, he was caught up into the third heavens. And he saw things that he can't speak with his mouth. Paul had abundance of revelations. He says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Then look at the verse 8. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. Look at what Paul, pay, pay attention to me. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that what? It might depart from me. How many of you have prayed about something more than three times? <laughs> Look at the answer that God gave to Paul. Look at the answer. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How many of you would have loved that you were praying that God, please take this thing away and it will go? And Paul was an apostle of God. He had received revelations of God. He prayed. He said, I asked God three times. And God, this is the answer God gave. God did not say, I will take it away. God did not say, I have taken it away. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. For this mountain that Paul you are facing, it will not go. My grace is a, So you will live with it, but my grace will be with you through it. So some of you, some of the prayers you are praying and trusting God that he will shift the thing. It will never be shifted. The answer is, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, the reason why Paul says, now I can boast in the strength of God is that he had now come to the conclusion that this prayer is, is a no prayer topic again. We will not pray. I will not pray, God, take this thorn. I don't know what thorn in the flesh it was. Many theologians allude to many things, and I don't want to go into that. But whatever the thorn in the flesh was, it was troubling Paul. It was disturbing him so much that he went to God. He said, God, take it away. Take, take this thing away. And, and he cried unto God the third time, God, take it away. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. So now Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. Because there are some things that God will not take away. Some of you are standing by a mountain and you are commanding the mountain, mow down mountain, move into the sea. The word of the Lord says that if you have faith and you command this mountain, it shall be cast into the sea. All that mountain, move into And the mountain does not move. And the next, the next month you command again, oh, that mountain, move into the sea. And the mountain will does not move. And the mountain is still standing. The reason is that you have not been patient to hear what God is saying about it. For all you know, God is saying that this one, my grace, is sufficient for you. Some of you don't want to hear that, right? Oh, you pray. You wish everything will vanish. Sometimes it won't go. 
Oh, we prayed. My wife had a had fibroid. We prayed. We prayed, baby. We prayed. We prayed because the fibroid was draining her blood. The fibroid was making her weak. We had gone for medical reviews and everything. We had look. My father has prayed for people with fibroid. It has vanished. It's gone. Different, different people. Her boss's friend has prayed for people for fibroid. It has gone. Her boss himself was a great man of God. Prayed for people. We all prayed for her. The fibroid was still there. In fact, I had prayed for someone. I didn't even know the person had fibroid. That day, the person had gone for a medical checkup. We had a service. I prayed for the person. I prayed for all people who were not well. The person didn't even tell me they had fibroid. I prayed. The person went for the next medical review. The fibroid was not there. And yet, I prayed for my wife, and the fibroid was still there. Because sometimes, that mountain is not a mountain God wants to move. She had to go through surgery. And the I don't want to use the word annoying. But the interesting thing is that by the time they cut her open, the fibroid was lying there ready for the doctor's room. They didn't have to do a lot of incisions to take it. So I was like, God, uh, if you removed it and you let it, why didn't you let it vanish? I, I can't tell. Because there's some things that are beyond us. But for all you know, God wanted to do something during that period. And that is why he still left it there. So there are some mountains that might not move. So when Jesus says that when you command this mountain to be cast into the sea, it is based on what? The will of God. It is based on the word of God. It's based on the faith that God has said that this mountain will move. And when I am very confident that it will move, I can speak with all assurance that it will what? Move. But look at the second thing that Jesus said. The, the second thing he said is, and that's a very funny one. That's actually the, the blank check. Whatever things you ask, how many of you would not like to have a blank check from a rich man? Do you know what a blank check means? It means you can write any figure on it. And if someone gives you a blank check, it means they are not worried about whatever you write on it. And, 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 and some people think that this passage is a blank check. That God has given us a blank check. Right. He says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So in the English, whatever means anything, right? It means anything. And so you might presume that you can ask anything from God. But look at how the verse starts. The verse starts with therefore. You need to read the Bible very well. There, a lot of us skip the, the therefore and we go to I say unto you. When I say therefore, it means, it means I have made a statement before, right? And I'm drawing a conclusion based on the statement I made. So therefore. So based on all that I've said to you, therefore. Therefore I say to you the consequence and the reason of it. So Jesus is saying that whatever you are asking that you are believing God for must be based on have faith in God. It must be based on the fact that you understand that it is, if it is not rooted in God's will, God will not do it. You, you must understand that the foundation of it is the word of God. It is the will of God. And so my whatever must fit into something. My whatever is not an open check. Can I give you a scripture to show you why Jesus is saying that? First John chapter 5 verse 14 to 15. I love the Bible because every part of the Bible answers another part of the Bible. 
First John chapter 5, verse 14 to 15. This is what John said. Now this is what? The confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything, can you see anything there? Can you see anything? Is anything like whatever? If we ask anything according to what? His will. He hears us. The confidence we have is that if we ask anything according to what? His will. So have you seen that the scripture is, is the same? Jesus is saying that whatever you ask, it must be based on your faith in God. It must be based on the will of God. It must be based on what God has said. John is saying that this is the confidence that we have. In fact, when I go before God and I'm praying confident, my confidence is that if I ask anything that is according to his will, he does what? He hears. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So our confidence in God is the fact that this thing I am praying about is the will of God. Even if it is not happening now, John says that whatever I ask, I know that I have it. I might not have it physically, but if I know it is the will of God, as long as it is the will of God and I ask, I know that what? I have it. It might take, I don't know how long it will take, but my confidence is that what? I have it. That is why um, the writer of Hebrews said, faith is the substance of things what? Hope for. The evidence of things not seen. You haven't seen it, but you have it. You are hoping for it, but you have it. As long as it is the will of God, I am confident about it. You know the reason why I keep on doing the things I do? Because I am confident that it is the will of God. Baby, I am so confident that one day, one day, one day, everything that I am doing now will bear for the fruit that God said it will bear. So I keep on doing it. I keep on doing it. Shalom. When I'm preparing my message, I don't prepare my message like I'm just going to speak to one person. So I just do. I prepare my message like I'm speaking to hundreds of thousands of people. And I come to church without the expectation that I'll meet thousand people. I come to church with the expectation that I might meet only one person. But do you know the reason why? Because I have confidence in God. I have confidence in the word of God. And that is why, you see, everything you do, you must come to the place where you know that this is the will of God for my life. Amen. And when you know it is the will of God for your life, you are confident because you know he will do it. <sighs> let, me, let, me, let, me, let me go with it. So, so what more can we say? Because if we don't align ourselves with the will of God, everything that we ask will be out of the will of God. And God will not mind us. So you can imagine the number of prayers that we have put before God. And God said, this one, wrong. This one, wrong. This, some of the things, is just God showing us mercy. Mommy. He just shows us mercy. So he dispenses. But if God was going by his will, a lot of the things that we put before him, they are not in his will. Father, I want this job. I want a job in the mining sector. God says, I don't want you in the mining sector. Because you see, whilst you are praying that I want a job in the mining sector because your friend is in the mining sector and the person is earning $20,000 a month. So God, me too, I want a job in the mining sector. God is seeing two years ahead and seeing that the mine that you go and work in might collapse and kill a lot of people. So he will not answer your prayer. Because when God is answering, he doesn't only take into consideration today. He takes into consideration every day. So a lot of us, you, you see, so when God is not answering your prayers, eh, sometimes it's only because his answer, which is a no, is a better answer than the yes. Wow. 
the confidence we have. Anything we ask according to his will, he hears us. And, and that is why the most important prayer I want to pray in life is, God, let your will be done. If I can get to the place where my heart is aligned with the will of God, oh, every prayer I pray, I know he hears because what? It is in line with his will. Now, look at what James chapter 4 verse 3 says. The reason why we pray and God does not hear us, the reason why we think we are praying in faith, but we are actually not praying in faith. James 4 verse 3, that's the test for our hearts. And I am with this. You ask and you do not receive because what? You ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Because quite a number of times, a lot of the things that we're asking God, you know it's about, it's not about, it's, it's all about me. Selfish. You see, and, and we claim it to be faith, but it's not faith. It is for your own desires and pleasures. So it says you ask and you don't receive because you ask amiss. God, give me forecast. Why? No, what, is, what is the motive, the reason? So that I can show my family people that me too, I'm there. God says, this is completely out of my will. I mean, you will not get it. I, I realize some of the prayers, you today, just examine your motive. You realize some of your prayers, the reason and the motive for which you are praying that prayer is off. It's off. Oh God, I want a lot of money. What do you want a lot of money for? No, no, truly, for some of us, there are a lot of money that you are asking God for. You, but if God releases it, we, you will be going straight to hell. Because what you will use the money for, some of you guys here, if God gives you the money, you will have five side chicks. We will not see you again. Because you see, deep down in your heart, God has judged what is there. And so it is not in accordance with his will. So he will not what? Release it. He will not do it. He will not do it. You see, sometimes some of you say, oh, me, as for me, I am a humble. Oh, as for me, as for me. Faster, look. Selena sent me a certain video. I've kept the video. I don't think I've deleted it. The, the pastor, he says, me, I'm a radical pastor. Because the, the guy promised God and told, uh, told God that if God blesses him, he'll, he'll be cleaning the washroom. He'll be doing the things. That, now, God has, he has a shop, and he's not coming to church. The pastor came, and then he came. He, he said, you, you promised God. You, you promised God, say, you go do this. You don't go, come on. Then he locked the shop. He said, me, I'll be a radical pastor. You go, go wash. <laughs> <laughs> me, I've been running up as that. You promise God, say you go wash the washroom. You day here, He bless you small, small shop. You know they can eh, make a lot Because some of us, God knows what is in our hearts. So you are praying, but your prayer is not aligned with His will. Your desires and your motives are wrong. I like a prayer Nicole led us to pray today. We are praying that we are praying that God will expand this church and fill this church. But it is it shouldn't be for anyone's personal gain. Because sometimes God will be, you, you don't know, but the thing might be hidden inside there. And God is judging our hearts. Why do I want to be a miracle preacher? Is it that so that people can come out of their miseries and be well? Or so that people can see me too, I am there? Suddenly, prophet, suddenly. I mean, 
Our motives. And you see, the thing is that God, God, you see, the beautiful thing about God is that his interest for your life is far greater for your, than your interest in your own life. So what he knows will lead you into distraction. He will not give it to you. Unfortunately, a lot of us in church, when we, when we pray and we pray and we pray and we don't hear God doing anything, then we answer our own prayers. Then after we answer our own prayers, we come and give testimony and say that God did this and God did that and God did that. I mean, people answer, you don't know people answer their prayers? You, you, you know, haven't you answered your prayers before? No, you can feel that God is, there's a resistance in your spirit about this move. But, but your heart is so set on the move that you will do anything to get this move done. And, and God says, my hand is not in it. Unfortunately, as I've been a pastor for not too long, but unfortunately, I have seen this over and over and over. They go and hit the wall and come back. Because when God's hand is not in it, his hand is not in it. You are on your own. That's why I'm teaching you this truth. So that from today, when you are praying, your prayer will be different. Because the church of today, is, is been, we have been taught so wrongly, so, so differently. And there's a lot of manipulation in the system, so we think God is doing it. But God is not doing it. Because the God has said, he won't violate his word. Please, I hope you get it. So now, the big question is, what do we do? What do we do so that our whatever will be aligned with the will of God? What do we do? I have two important things for you. The first one is delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. Psalm 37, verse 4 to 5. This one passage that I learned very early in my life, and, and it's been a great guide. Psalm 37, verse 4 to 5 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall what? Give you the desires of your heart. Look at it again. Oh. Delight yourself. He will give you what? The desires of your heart. Again, is God just going to give you any desire? Let's look at the passage. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Now, the word delight, the Hebrew word delight here means to be soft or pliable. It means that you are prone to being led or directed. You are soft towards God. What it means is that you, you, you don't stand where you are. When God says, I want to lead you here, you are soft to be led. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. It means when God says, baby, let's go here. Although you don't like this place, I am soft, Lord, that you can lead me. So God leads you here. And sometimes when God leads you here, you will not see anything. Because what he's seeing is not what you are seeing. But he's still leading. And then just around the time where you think he has led you here, he says, baby, let's stand. It's not God is not confused. He's doing something. Let's stand. Now, you are not leading me. I'm leading you. And God leads you here. But do you know what God is doing? At the time he led you here, he built a certain capacity inside of you. And then he left it as if it will not be useful for anything. But he leads you again here and he builds something else in you. And then he leads you here and he builds something else in you. Then by the time you get here, this man needs what you have here, what you have here, what you have here. 
And so by the time you get here, you have all that it takes to become what God wants you to be. So this man says, you have everything now I want to use. And then this man pays you everything that you didn't get here, you didn't get here, you didn't get here, all in one moment. Because what? You are soft before God. So, so he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will grant you the desires of your heart. Because now your desires is no longer your desires. It is his desires that have become your desires. So now he grants it. So that at first you wanted two-bedroom house. But because you have been led by God and God's desire was for a four-bedroom house, you get to this place and he gives you a desire that is greater than your desire and gives you a four-bedroom house. So he says, delight yourself in the Lord. If we can be at a place where we can be led and directed by God, I'm telling you, life, eh? Life. You see, it might not be all smooth and rosy because that's not what God promised us. But I can tell you that you will have a certain joy you can't explain. Because when God leads us, He knows more than we know. So when he says delight yourself in the Lord, it also means you are capable of being shaped or bent or drawn out. The idea is that, Lord, I am in your hands. Whatever you want to do, do with me. I don't know how it's going to end, but I'm in your hands. Have your way in my life. And that should be a prayer for all of us. You know, some of us, God wants to bend you, but you are unbendable. God wants to break you, but you are unbreakable. God wants to deal with certain things here. You see, when we are praying, God sees deep inside of us more than what we see. So you want the blessing, but God wants to deal with the character. Because if you can deal with the character, you can have the blessing, and the blessing will not destroy you. So delight yourself as a, Lord, I am yielded to you, work in me. Deal with everything that is not of you in me. I can tell you that is one of the most powerful prayers. But it's the prayers that, one of the prayers that God hears swiftly. Yeah. When I was in SHS, every time before I go to school, three days I will fast and pray. And then at a point, my prayer was, Lord, deal with everything that I didn't understand the prayer I was praying. I said, God, deal with everything that is not of you in me. And God said, ah, this is all I've been waiting for. Let's turn the heat on. I went to school that time. Baby, I was an SU leader on fire for God. I never knew there were certain things in my heart. When I prayed that prayer, the things began to pop up. Hey, I, be, I became scared of my own self. Because I never knew. You, know, you think you don't have something in your heart. There is. Is there? It is there. Some of you think you don't have adultery in your heart. It is there. Some of you think you don't have pride in your heart. It is there. Some of you think you don't have arrogance in your heart. It is there. Some of you think you don't have wickedness in your heart. It is there. It is only a circumstance that will reveal it. But you have to allow God to deal with it before the circumstance comes. Because it comes. Someone say, as for me, I can't kill a woman. Uh, when when, when my, my wife has done something. Ah, this guy, is he crazy? Why has he killed? You wait. When the circumstance comes, you will kill the person without realizing it. So it is inside. So God wants to what? Break it. God wants to bend it. God wants to destroy it. So you yield to him and say, God, root it out of my heart. Amen. Baby, I never knew I had envy in my heart. When I prayed that prayer, then I realized that I had envy in my heart. Someone was having something. I, was, I wanted it. Me. Prior to that, there was nothing like that. But God started showing me that you have this in your heart. 
Oh, you have that in your heart. So delight yourself means that God, I am before you. Like break me and deal with the things that are not of you in me. Because some of you, that is the prayer you are supposed to pray. Not God, give me this and give me that and give me that. Because if God deals with that and your character is refined, your character will open doors for you that even your prayers will not open. Delight yourself in the Lord and in what? Grants you the desires of your because now the desires of your heart are not your own desires. They are God's desires. But when God begins to work on your heart eh, and he begins to pull things out, you realize there are a lot of things you never like again. <laughs> Recently, I was asking myself, that, uh, like, God, like, I want this and that and that. Then I started asking myself, so when the things come, what will I do with them? Is it just to make myself happy or just, just to be excited like it's also happening for me? No, no. What would I do with them? Delight yourself in the Lord. It, 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 means, that, it means that you're able to adjust to different conditions because the thing about our journey with God and our work with God is that God will take you through different conditions. Mommy, sometimes God will take you through a very nice phase of life. It's so exciting. Oh, everything is happening nicely for you. Another time, God will take you to a certain phase in your life. Lorinda, nothing will work. Everything you do, you think you are cursed. Everything you do does not work. Delight yourself in the Lord means that, Lord, no matter the condition you are taking me through, I am still in your hand. That's why, baby, when God is taking me through a good season, I have learned by experience. When I'm going through a good season, I'm grateful to God but I don't let it get into my head because I don't know what the next one is coming. I don't know. I am not. He's the one in control. I don't know the next one. So I ask God, God, give me wisdom to handle this good season so that when I get into the next one, I know what to do. Because he will take you through. Oh, yeah. I, he will take you through different seasons. Different seasons. Oh, there was a time at the old place that the, the whole place was full. We had to go and buy extra chairs because, like, God was just... Then, then God brought us to a place where you'd be counting the people and counting the chairs. Because God is the one who takes us towards seasons. So delight yourself in the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Then he says, now commit your ways to the Lord. Because, you see, the thing is that when you delight yourself in the Lord, everything you do, you commit to God. Everything you do, you commit to God. We give it to God, we leave it there. I commit it to God, and I leave it there. I don't know the outcome, but because I've committed it, committed it into the hands of God, what? I leave it there. And I believe that God is in full control. The second thing that you have to do is abide in Christ and let his words abide in you. Abide in Christ and let his words abide in you. John 15 verse 7. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. Have you seen the passage again? If you abide, the if is conditional. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. In fact, God wants us to get to that place where we can ask what we desire and it shall be done. 
But it says you must abide in Christ. You must remain in Christ. You must have a continual fellowship with Christ. Not this quantity relationship that we have with Christ. One week you get on fire, you pray, uh, then the next two weeks you are out. Then another, another two days you get on fire. Then the next two weeks you are out. You come to church one week, then you go for holidays three weeks, and then you come for the next one week. And like, God, I'll come to bribe you for this month. And on top of that, then you bring your tithes to come and bribe God. God cannot be bribed. <laughs> Even my susu cannot be bribed. How much more God? God cannot be bribed. So he says you must abide in him. You must have a, a lasting relationship. It must be a daily work. Because you see, the thing about desires is that every now and then there are negative things still entering our hearts. You don't know. So if you work with God on a daily basis, you are, you are putting your heart in the right place so that your heart desires will be correct. Oh, yes. Otherwise, you never know what you can do. Baby, I stopped trusting myself a thousand years ago. Because I never know what I can do. So, because I don't trust myself, I trust myself in his presence. And daily, I have to be there. Because if you leave me as a human being, I can do anything. Anything. As a pastor, whether bishop, archbishop, uh, archpope. If you don't stay in the presence of God, you can do anything. Your desires can go. That's why there are pastors today who are killing. Because they never started that way. But if you don't abide in him, you realize your desires are towards other things. Other things. So he says, abide in me and let my words abide in you. It's a two-way thing. You keep a constant relationship with him, but the word of God, this, the word of God, you can't substitute it for anything. It must be in your heart every day. That's why David said, thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. If you don't have the word in your heart, your desires will always be wrong, but the word will correct your desires and correct your motives. And correct your thoughts so that everything you ask God will be according to his will. <laughs> the other day I went to I went to print a photograph and the people were having a funny discussion. I decided not to say anything. Because all sometimes I hear people and they're having a lot of Bible discussions and I realize that they are off. But sometimes I just like I don't want to if I come in, is they are they are not ready to hear, it's just argument. And one guy was like, uh, even the Bible says that David uh, David David married many, I think they brought, brought about this pastor's issue, married, I mean, two or three members of his congregation in addition to his wife. And then one guy said, ah, but David cried in the Bible. He married more than this. Then I realized that, you see, if the word of God does not reside in your heart, you can take the Bible. And I keep on saying, the Bible in its plain form can be used for any evil. The Bible in its plain form. This good book can be used for any evil. So the people were talking about this, and, and I started smiling in my heart because I realized that they don't know the word. Because if they knew the word that in the beginning, God made a male and female, 
and and they they understood that Jesus said in the beginning this is how it was and they understood the consequences of David's many wives in his life and the consequences of um, Solomon's many wives in his life then they understand that everything that is written in scripture is for our example to let us know the original mind of God and the perverted minds of men that even a man after God's own heart a great man as David can still go outside God's original plan and have consequences of it the word of God must be in your heart. It must dwell there. You must study daily and ask God to show you. Lord, open my eyes. I like one prayer that David prayed. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Because you see, just reading this Bible can be a storybook. But if I say, God, open my eyes that I will behold wondrous things out of this world, it would amaze you as you study the things that God will show you. Amen. And when God begins to show you those things, that is the word of faith that is released into your heart. That is where faith is generated. Not just the reading of the Bible, but the understanding of the Bible. That's where faith is generated. Amen. And I pray that each of us will abide in Christ. And allow his word to abide in us. So have you realized faith is not what we think? So different. And from today that you would ask your whatever in accordance with his will. Now baby, when you pray about something for a very long time and looks like God is not doing anything, instead of going on to pray, pause. God, what do you have to say about this matter? Because I have prayed about it. Uh, I'm not seeing anything. What is it that you are saying about it that I have not heard? The only reason why Paul could say, he said, my grace is sufficient is because he paid attention to hear. And God said, my grace is sufficient. So when you pray, God, show me what I am not seeing. So I can stop this prayer and move on to other prayers. Because sometimes... Lorinda, you prayed and God heard it a long time, but his answer was 10 years. But you never heard, you never heard the 10 years. Lorinda is, I'm sure Lorinda is saying, Pastor Iman, God forbid. <laughs> but, but you never heard the 10 years, and so you are still praying, and God said, I've heard it, I've done it, but in my scheme of things, it will not happen now. So be patient. You know, when that happens, what happens is that you rest in God. You become relaxed. Ike, you, you become so relaxed that you go about doing your other things you have to do because you know God has a shadow and you are patient for his shadow. Can I say this final thing? You are not late. You are not late. As long as you are in the will of God, you are not. Stop worrying about other people who have gone ahead of you. Yesterday, I heard a, what do you call it, a proverb, and I liked it. They said, they said they have a proverb that no matter how fast a car can run, when there is traffic, standstill traffic, a bicycle can pass the fastest car. You are not late. As long as you are with God and in God's will, when the time is due, he can pause everything so you pass and get to where he wants you to be.